from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, final episode, season 17, next episode, season 18. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, we've got a new logo up and everything right now. So don't be confused. It's still the same old show. It just has a (laughs) different logo. Anyway, how I am confused. Dave. I know. That's that's what always happens. I am easily confused. I know, Dave. It's what always happens. So, Gretchen, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. All right. <laughs> I'm Dave? less confused. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, any Anything fun and exciting happen over the last week? Over this last week? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, David and I did a panel at the WasabiCon. It's a, like, anime cosplay um, con that uh, was a, we did a uh, Lovecraft in Japan. Oh, very cool. We did learn something very important. Mm. What did we learn? When you are doing a panel, it Mm -hmm. should be called HP Lovecraft in Japan, not (laughs) Lovecraft in Japan. Or people will ask you, is this about dating Japanese people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wondered that. <laughs> and I'm sure people at first, because we had a few people leave at the very beginning. I think they were confused by our appearance. <laughs> like, I'm in Lolita. <laughs> David's wig wearing a t-shirt. So is Scott. It's like super chill looking we just have very random and we walk up and sit down and i'm putting out books scanning the audience to make sure we don't have minors and then removing books because we had a minor at first oh okay well you know because if you're gonna talk about lovecraft in japan it's gonna be of course like we have to touch very gently on the whole tentacles hentai aspects but yeah yeah. but other than that last weekend was good i mean it was good i mean that was a fun panel there was 30 to 40 people there and which and it was the last you know two hours of the the whole con so it was i i i was very happy with the way it turned out me too i felt 
we got all our information across. People were very engaged. They asked questions. I had a three or four new followers um, after that. Oh, cool. Yeah, awesome. so that was kind of fun. And then that I made sounds- David update his um, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, last weekend I, uh, I I sold baby dragons and guitars and uh, all the all the general stuff that I, I generally sell on the weekends. But Did you sell guitars to baby dragons. I do sell guitars for baby dragons. So yeah, wow. but no, I was at the Vancouver uh, Craft Beer, Wine, and Whiskey Festival. I got to see Quiet Riot and Great White and uh, Curtis Silgato and uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. The great, what was Great White's like um, big hit? Was that the Once Bitten Twice Babe? Was that them? Yeah, yeah, that was them. <gasps> I'm so good. I have memory. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was it was very much kind of like. 1987 uh, the crowd was all like yeah i was in high school when this song came out man i was graduated that time shades with uh, you know uh day glow uh rims and a a pastel uh button down polo shirt (laughs) no 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 this is more of like um uh, cut off jean jacket and uh, T-shirts from the 80s, kind of like battle jackets and like people being like, hey, man, is it cool if I smoke here? Awesome. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but big hair, sunglasses at night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. bet that was cool. I mean, uh, I, mean I don't know. <laughs> like, like, like we're, we're talking about like 60 year old metalheads here. Oh, yeah. Well, not even like they're like rock and roll heads. But they thought yeah. they were metal. Yeah. They're like like uh, retired glam, whatever. Right. Yeah. Is that the glam? Yeah. 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 Anyways. <laughs> anyway, it was it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. That's all. Come on. Feel, right. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this this woman with like in her 50s who had like huge bangs, like in black hair. And big dangly earrings. She's like, how much is that guitar, man? And I'm like, if you pay cash, it's $150. She's like, awesome. How much if I have a card? $200. She's like, okay. And uh, and then I sold it to her. Oh, that's, there's a lot. I, 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 yeah, it's. I have to pay a lot of stupid fees if I use card. Mm. So I try and do cash. But I still pay my taxes because I'm a tax-abiding, law-abiding citizen. Anyway, um, she's like, well, I'm going to go try and get this signed by the band and donate it to a charity. And I'm like, all right, you do that, man. But anyway, that, that, that was uh, my, my Friday night. Uh, that, was, that was the fun that I had Friday night. But yeah, no, no, it was, it was a fun festival. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, good. Y'all do so, anything fun this weekend coming up? Oh, this weekend I have another festival or no, I have a, a farmer's market that I'm going to to sell baby dragons and guitars. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Enchanted Forest. Oh, where are you going? Enchanted Forest. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. cool. <laughs> I, 
My friend JT um, has his um, the he's a transplant here and from California and he's never been to Enchanted Forest. And he was like, I really want to go. I want to take, take some pictures there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, I'll go. We're doing this. So road trip. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So a bunch of 50, 250 year olds or whatever. I'm not 50, but, you know, we're, you know. <laughs> we're on the verge. Sure. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> but us in the, going to fly, ride the flume ride. Yeah. I didn't have my ID on me the other day and I wanted to buy a beer. And this lady in her 70s is like, well, you look pretty young to me. And I'm like, listen, lady, I was born during the Ford administration. Let me take off my sunglasses, which are these massive things that cover half my face. And she's like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, you can have a beer. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, she's like, OK, you can have a beer. And I didn't have my ID on me. But so anyway, whoever's in control of beer in Washington state should nab that old lady and lock her up forever. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> not really. Um, I don't care. I got my beer. Anyway, so this week, uh, not next week, this week, we're we're talking about the Starry Wisdom called yes. the Church of Starry Wisdom. And we're also talking about how it follows. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the the uh, 2014 American horror film. It follows, written and directed by David Robert Michael Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So, yeah. Dave, do we have a center part? I thought you were doing the center part. Yeah. Oh, all right. I am doing the center part. And it's a surprise, but it's something I talked about earlier. Maybe I talked about it just when you and I were having a conversation. Anyway. I'm going to be covering the 2023 Venture Brothers movie, Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon's Heart, talking about uh, ups and downs of it, how it compares to the series overall, and what kind of uh, cool references they've left in it, kind of obscure Venture Brothers stuff that you have to go, oh, okay, that's about Farrah Fawcett or something like that, like they generally do. Anyhow. Robo Shiva. Uh, Mecca Shiva. Mecca Shiva, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'll be talking about that in the center part. And yeah, all right. So let's uh, let's get going with this show. All right. All right. Yay. So Dave, what can you tell me about the Church of Starry Wisdom? Well, something it first appeared in The Haunter in the Dark. And I looked it up. I, I brought up a PDF and, and I did the control F. Uh-huh. The name Starry Wisdom only appears in that story three times. Okay. And I thought it would appear a lot more. And it is basically a cult that took over a church, collected a lot of books, disappeared, reporter died, and then Robert Blake stumbles into it. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. All and right. it kind of keeps up with the motif that Lovecraft has with the esoteric order of Dagon, where the cult starts out in a physical church. Uh-huh. And it sort of corrupts from outside. So it finds a 
a church or a church building to use basically as a disguise or a, a facade. And mm-hmm. then it sort of works its darkness out from a legitimate church. Okay. All right. And we all know that Lovecraft, of course, was an atheist. Sure. But he was married in the church. All right. Okay. And so, so he does have some minor affinity with, you know, at least the church buildings. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it seems like it's a cult that other churches, other, other, other organizations are publicly denouncing, but it slowly takes over a church, whether it be in Chicago, San Francisco, Providence, Providence. Uh, Arkham. Arkham and 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 wherever else and it it slowly takes it over it doesn't have like more than 100 200 uh people in it and they just kind of like collect occult information and kind of hoard that information and do their unknown things is there anything else we really know about the I mean sorry oh yeah no, go ahead the only thing I know about it is that they are worshippers of like Narthlatep and like, or this is like a, or Narthlatep is their main deity. Is that my, my misunderstanding? I think yeah. that sounds right. In, in the form of the Haunter of the Dark. Yeah. Right. As well as probably other forms. So Narthlatep in the Haunter of the Dark form isn't the, like the, the like Egyptian God looking fella at that point. Right. No, yeah. it's three lobe dyed bat. Yeah. He's what? He's a giant <laughs> bat with a, 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 a giant eye, a red eye with three sort of sections, three lobes of his eye. Didn't anybody in the church go, hmm, this might be of the devil <laughs> <laughs> before they allowed themselves to be corrupted? Or was the shining trapezoid part of this whole like experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, sh- shining trapezohedron just like makes everyone be like, you know, I'm okay with a three lobed, burning eye, flying giant bat thing with claws. Word. <laughs> and, and, but here's the here's the thing, and I'm not sure if Lovecraft did this on purpose. We never see the church. We find the church remain. We find writings about what other people say. Oh, but so, we never you know, see the church active. So no, we see the building. We, we, you know, Blake finds the books, Blake finds the notes about it, mm-hmm. and we don't know if Blake's sources or Blake is a reliable narrator or not. Sure. Again, with H- Lovecraft loves his unreliable narrators. Oh, yeah. That's his favorite storytelling, like MacGuffin, mm-hmm. is the I am a madman now because of this, but here is my story. And you're like, well, <laughs> do I believe this? <laughs> And, and and so yeah, so we don't we don't get first hand accounts. We get well, we get second hand what Blake finds written down mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. newspaper clippings, but we don't. It's not the only time really. I was thinking about this today that Lovecraft really shows us first person account of what's going on in the cult that I can think of is Festival. Yeah, the Festival. Oh. We see this. We see what they're doing, and he freaks out and runs away. Yeah. But even, even, even you know, the esoteric order of Dagon, we get this Zedek Allen, you know, is telling the narrator, we get evidence, but he that's the only one I can think of where we actually see the ceremonies. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a dumb question. I mean, George is George R. R. Martin's story cult or story wisdom cult. Is he, is this like um, a, a nod to this? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if I had mentioned that before when we were talking about the tra- um, the trapezoid hedon um, mm-hmm. or the shining thing, uh-huh. Trapez- shining trapezoid hedon, right? Hadron. Yeah. <laughs> I was told there would be no geog- geometry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that that's exact. And and Martin also, and I have to admit. The only Martin I've ever read is his short science fiction and his wild card series. Okay. But apparently. I Game of Thrones. And there's it was the too pop- in there. It, it had become too popular before I got a chance to see it. So I don't want to see something popular. Sure. Yeah. But apparently he's also got like a drowned god in the background. This yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. The and there's, oh, there's another uh, group of writers that took story wisdom. Okay. And oh, it cool. appears in the uh, Illuminatus trilogy. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I feel like everything appears in the Illuminatus trilogy. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty me much. again, the Illuminatus trilogy, is that the one where, like, the Pale of Death Horse or whatever? Like, is that the one where the, the – oh, no, I'm thinking of the Incarnations of Immortality. Yeah. Yeah, I, I – for some reason, I get those books confused. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like the name has a vibe that makes me think that they're the same name. Yeah, but the other... Maybe it's motifs that are the same there. Is that what it is? Yeah. But there also is that in the, I think in the 80s or late 90s, they decided they wanted to do a little bit more spicy Lovecraft stories. Uh-huh. Uh, it was published under Starry Wisdom. Uh-huh. And that includes, oh. that includes, um, I think the first, but if maybe um, the first printing version or one of the one of the first of uh, the courtyard. Oh, okay. That, so, so yeah, it's also a collection of of more spicy Lovecraft stories. Gotcha. Spicy being like sexy or like violent? Uh, a little bit of yes. Uh, All of them. Violence, uh, yeah, just. I think what to me, and and again, I read it over two decades ago, and the only one that really stood out was Alan Moore's Courtyard because that was the first time I had encountered it. Uh-huh. But uh, and there was a you know, uh, you know, it was like Lovecraft died in hell. I think, and his penalty was he had to look at his naked wife. So the, there was kind of it was supposed it was supposed to be edgy. I don't know how much they succeeded on that. Yeah. Well, I wonder if there's, I mean, because I have a few of those, like, I need to go back and re-look at those comics. I have a bunch of those graphic novels of the Cthulhu tales, Lovecraft tales, things like that from back in the 90s. I yeah. hung on to those in the early 2000s. Do you remember yeah. those? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I think that's when uh, Yogoth and other cultures came out, yes. And, yeah. Uh, uh, the Fall of Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember and, those. And and the courtyard did get published eventually as a comic book, but it was actually, I believe, first published as a short story. And I, I first encountered it as a short story. Interesting. Cool. I haven't read The Fall of Cthulhu, but in all honesty, and this isn't a pun here, I have read The Autumn of Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. I have not read that one. It's It's a good one. What's it called? The Autumn of Cthulhu. 
no, I've not read that. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a pun on the fall of Cthulhu, but it's the autumn of Cthulhu. I think it was, uh, I'm not mistaken, and people can be like, no, you're thinking of the wrong thing. It's totally the wrong thing. Uh, one of the last few things that uh, Joe Pulver Sr. edited. Mm. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. Anyhow. So was this a was this is the church or the cult of Starry Wisdom? Is it also a device that's used in like the RPG stuff too? I oh, mean, I go to oh, you guys yeah. for the RPG info. Definitely, definitely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's the kind of thing that you can just throw into any major town if you want to, or you can stick to like, oh yeah, it's Equatorial Guinea, Canada, San Francisco, Chicago, mm. Yorkshire, and Providence. Oh, totally. I could see that as like a good plot device. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read it, and but you can get it on uh, Drive Through RPG. Uh-huh. Um, our friend Ken Height wrote a, a whole thing on uh, the Starry Wisdom cult so that could be used in uh, Trail of Cthulhu. Oh, interesting. So, so they, yeah, and and I, and, yeah, I, I mean, and first of all. Anything Ken writes is worth picking up. Sure, but yeah. I think oh, yeah. it's only about four or five pages. I mean, four or five dollars, and it's got quite a bit of information from what I understand. Good uh, to know. Designed specifically for Trail of Cthulhu, but can be pretty much used in any game system. Nice. Very cool. Okay. Very cool. Um, what's the Trail of Cthulhu? It is a uh, gumshoe system RPG created by Ken Height. Mm-hmm. Oh no, uh, Robin. Robin D. Laws. I'm Robin sorry. Robin Laws wrote that with Ken's yeah. help. With Ken's help. Uh, Ken's okay. Ken's done a considerable amount for that. Yeah. It's basically a different version that focuses more on role playing and storytelling. And storytelling, and it's designed where you're not gonna. It's designed so you kind of have expert characters, so you don't miss the adventure because you had one guy that wasn't an expert in cuiform artifacts or something. Yeah. Oh, so you're like, so your characters are already at like maxed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the oh, way oh, I, all I, the knowledge skills are split up. Yeah. I, I, I always treat gumshoe like, uh, or not gumshoe, but anything based off the gumshoe system where I'm doing something, I treat it like a television show and everyone's like, you know, it's like your main characters, like, Quincy or uh, Columbo or something like that. They're not going to mess this stuff up. It's it's part of the weekly show. They're going to get it and they might not get it right away. They might get it in the second act, but they've got to get it by the third act or, you know, the show's all messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's less about combat, more about storytelling and having fun. That sounds fun. I mean, I haven't played a Call of Cthulhu game in a really long time. I was in a pretty epic one that lasted for quite a few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, Gumshoe makes it so that you could play, like, uh, Horror on the Orient Express and probably about, like, I'm going to say, like, six months as opposed to two years <laughs> oh nice 
that's that's true honestly um, i mean like that campaign i was part, in was like one game that lasted like, you like five years or something like that like this episode we played share like it with every people. couple subscribe to the twice podcast, a month or something find like us on that. facebook we're under people's guys that's a that's a lovecraft mythos we're on twitter i don't really check twitter so anyway how long our changeling campaign automatic feed if you just want to listen to us on twitter for some reason you can yeah, that's, find that's, us uh, on any place, any yeah. podcatcher, celestial, of uh, course, Facebook, Providence, Instagram, uh, sect, otherwise, and of course, the, the YouTube Church where this episode will be. Wisdom. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So up next, we've got me talking about cartoons. And then after that, uh, we're going to be talking about it follows. So organic herbal tea. I got some like a fine wine, there is no wine. comparison between okay. All right. fine loose well, leaf excited. and common broken leaf tea bags. So we'll talk to you about yeah, that no, after check them out. Check the them break. Out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. I want to tell you all about something. I want to tell you about a guy I know. In a place. It's not the interview part. Ha ha. Ha ha. It's the part where DB talks forever, ever, ever. Greetings, everyone. It is I. D.B. Spitzer, once again, to talk about stuff in the middle of the show. It's not normally me. It's normally Dave. He says something like, oh, everyone likes everyone else better than me, which isn't true. Dave gets more fan mail than anyone. I just don't read anyone's fan mail because, I don't know, no one gets fan mail. Uh, yes. So, hey, here we are, middle part of the show. This week, I am talking about if you know how to read. I am... Uh, I'm, I'm reviewing the Venture Brothers. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart, uh, which is a 2023 direct to video, direct to streaming. I don't know. I, I bought it like when it came out a couple weeks back, and I know it goes on or a week back, and I know it is a rental August 8th. It, 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 it becomes a rental. Uh, yeah, so, Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon's Heart, uh, Adult Swim Show, Cartoon Network, created by Jackson Public, Doc Hammer, stars James Urbaniak, Patrick Walburton, uh, the Ninja Turtle voice guy, Michael Sinanaskasis, I don't know, anyway, and a bunch of other people who have done voices for Venture Brothers in the past. Um, it is little more than the eighth season, but it is an interesting eighth season. It, it, it covers all the things that were asked in season seven. And you're like, it didn't cover this. It didn't cover that. It didn't ask those questions. It was just showing how things happen. So if you're like, it didn't, didn't like, uh, teach us who Scare Bear was. You're not supposed to ever know who Scare Bear is. That's kind of the point of Scare Bear, you guys. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's... So we start 
where season seven ended, where Dean is sad that he uh, had sex with Hank's girlfriend and then Hank went into a coma. Hank has this coma world that he can go into now. Uh, anytime he goes into a coma, it's uh, a mix between Barbarella, uh, Hoth from Empire Strikes Back, and then later on, it takes on some elements of Zardoz. So yeah, um, it is... Goodness, it's it's a hard movie, too. It's It's roughly like 8 to 12 episodes smashed together without any commercial breaks, without uh, credits between the two, and yeah, no, uh, between episodes and such. And it it has all your favorite uh, characters, um, everyone from Billy Quizboy to uh, Sheila, uh, <laughs> uh, Mrs. the Monarch. Uh, yeah, no, and... Oh, man, it is pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. So, what I have to say is the show was canceled in, I think, 2018, 2019, maybe 2020. In the last couple of years, it was definitely canceled. And Adult Swim decided to do a direct-to-video. Uh, so... It was released, okay, I got it on July 23rd, uh, digitally. It's, it's, it's been doing okay. It's got an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. I want to say, if you're not a fan of this, it's, if, if you're not a fan of Venture Brothers, you're not going to find this interesting. It's going to be like going into the eighth season of a show. And being like, I don't get this. There's not enough flashbacks to even tell you who half these people are. And if you're someone who quit watching around season two, season three, you're not going to get it. You're going to be like, wait a minute. Isn't that guy just that? And who, what about this? And when did that become a thing? And yeah, no, no. You definitely have to be caught up on Venture Brothers. At least season, I want to say at least season five. And you can guess a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it pretty much starts off with the main parts. Anyone who can go on Wikipedia can be like, oh, yes, the main sources of the Venture Brothers uh, follies is failure. It's a show of failure and toxic masculinity. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about how this season, this movie, is pretty much about uh, Henry Allen Venture uh, deciding to find out the mysteries of who his mom is and and you know what is what his background is you know so all he knows is uh, he's a clone and he's lived on the Venture compound his whole life and he doesn't know if there's other you know ventures out there does he have a Ma Venture you know that stuff and Dean wants to find Hank because Dean is upset and sorry that he slept with his brother's girlfriend, which just don't do it. And of course, other members of the Venture family also go with. Uh, there's there's a fair amount of Brock. Uh, there's a fair amount of Red Death. 
Uh, there's not enough shore leave, uh, not enough the alchemist. Uh, there's a decent amount of Dr. Orpheus and uh, Jefferson Twilight is there and you learn a little bit more about Jefferson Twilight and uh, Dean may or may not become a vampire. Woo! Yeah, it's it's a it, it's a little bit sharper animation wise. It's definitely more in the vein of season seven than season one. It's 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 something some people have been waiting over a decade for. Like you know, it's like a Venture Brothers movie, but ultimately it's it's pretty much just another season. And if you like Dermot, Dermot's in it. Uh, Ben's in it. Spoiler alert, they don't tell you anything more about Ben. My personal theory, Ben's a Venture brother. He was uh, Doc Venture's brother. And uh, not Doc Venture, not Rusty, but... Uh, Doc Venture, the real Doc Venture, you know. Uh, Hank and Dean's grandfather. Anyway, we find out how... I don't know... Uh, we, we find out how people are related to each other and everyone who's related to each other, even though I find out we might find out in other seasons that other people are related to uh, Hank and Dean and uh, Rusty and everyone like that. Um, yeah, and I have to say, uh, welcome return of Brick Frog. I love Brick Frog and the council. I love The Council. The Council is one of my favorite parts of the show, and I am super happy to find out they introduce new villains that are pretty cool. And through Gary, a.k.a. Uh, Henchman 21, who he's not Henchman 21 anymore, uh, ever since the uh, Sephirax Protocol. And yeah, no, no, he how he reacts to seeing a villain that he's never seen before. It's like, Oh my God, you're so cool. I got to go talk to you. Uh, you learn more about, uh, the monarch's background and you, yeah, no, you, you actually get to see some stuff, uh, from many years prior and flashbacks throughout the episodes or the, the movie. And uh, we find out, like, one of the reasons, one of the hundreds of reasons that the monarch hates Dr. Venture. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's fun. It's uh, told in a way that it doesn't give things away right away. And if you're smart, there's clues. And if you're dumb, it's still a fun ride. So I have to highly recommend this movie. Uh, Something I always think is really cool is one of my favorite characters, the monarch. His name is Malcolm Fitzheraldo or Fitzcarraldo. Making a reference to, I think, what uh, Doc Venture, uh, uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public are doing uh, with Fitzcarraldo is making reference to a Werner Herzog film of the same name. And I'm just going to guess that Malcolm is either a reference to Malcolm McDowell or Malcolm McLaren, uh, being that Hammer and Public are uh, 
fond of 70s music, including punk, but also fond of uh, Stanley Kubrick, which there's a Stanley Kubrick reference in this film, which I think is quite wonderful. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, no, we learn why the monarch is like the monarch. We, we learn little bits and pieces about, about people that kind of round them out. It doesn't make them any cooler, any better, any worse, any more. It's just... There's, there's just more complications. And uh, ben, ben talks to Hank about complications on a watch and how they're, the more complications there are, the more, uh, the more valuable it is. And, and, and that's what a family is, is the more complications. Anyway, he does it better than me. I mean, he's, he's a paid actor uh, reading a script, and I'm, I'm just a podcaster. Anyhow... Radiant as the Blood of the Baboon Heart is available anywhere you can rent, uh, rent, rent digital media. It's available for sale. And also, uh, I believe in September, it's going to be playing on Adult Swim, and you won't have to buy it. You can just watch it. Anyway, that's me. That's all I have to say. Uh, Go Team Venture and Unrelated. Um, it is really fun. I, it was. It's really fun to see everyone from the Venture Brothers again. It's it's been a couple of years, and it's fun to visit with a uh, high tech, uh, 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 adventure family that you get to see once every couple of years and visit their 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 exploits. Uh, their explorations and whatnot. It's 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 like a it's like a comic book or something like that that comes out every couple of years. You get to read it, and then you're done, and you're like, yeah, that was awesome. And then you you know wait a couple more years. Um, I think the stuff I like comes out every couple of years. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my favorite character is and always has been Hank Venture. Uh, Followed up by uh, Sheila Fitzcarraldo, uh, Doctor Sheila Fitzcarraldo, and Malcolm Fitzcarraldo. Why am I calling them by their their formal names? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And stuff is explained about Hank that has been referenced all the way back in like early episodes of Hank talking like a crazy person. Anyway, that's it. No more. Back to everyone else, and have yourself a good one. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, They've got saxophones, trumpets, drums. They've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary.
for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher. Or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. Gretchen, yeah. what can you what can you tell us about it follows? Gosh, man. I mean, on the surface, it follows reads like a um an STD scare film. Um sure. just to keep young people from having sex uh-huh. are the dangers of that. And then yeah. as you start to kind of um, unfold the story more, you realize there's more and more layers. And the director, I think, left so much ambiguity for many, many reasons. Like the there's he's been quoted as saying he wants it to feel like a dream. That's why you have these technologies that are that are like of all time periods, cars yeah. of all time periods, uh, manners of dress, the weather is incongruent, yeah. things like that. But I mean, it's it's one of those movies, and I hate to say that it follows, but it's one of those movies that kind of stays with you. Yeah. I find myself, like, I'll be riding my bike to work in the morning, and if I see somebody who's standing there on the street, because, well, first of all, it's really early when I'm riding into work. Mm-hmm. But secondly, if I see somebody who's just standing there, I wonder, oh, please, let me be not the only person that can see this person. Yeah, yeah. And not because I've done anything to get myself into a situation where it follows monsters <coughs> be following me, but sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> just saying that it's, um, it's the creepiness that it lends to you is that it, that, and that sticks with you. Yeah. And, and I, I think it sort of bears out, you know, it is a nine year old movie, mm-hmm. sure. yeah. but there's no way we can really go into this without spoilers. So there will be yeah, spoilers. Just spoilers alert, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, before we start going into the movie, uh, one one thing I felt right from the get go was even before I knew about it, it felt like it was what I knew about it was an STD scare movie. Um, And it was probably going to show something really graphic in the very beginning, like something that happened to someone, how someone died. And then later, you know, it's 
it was going to go with the structure of show something terrible, imply something terrible, don't show anything for a while, and then show something right before towards the end that implies that whoever's left, that might happen to them. Standard stuff. I saw that. I guess that. Mm. What I didn't think is I would feel like, uh, like this, like, kind of like awfulness, like watching this movie, like just kind of like watching a horror movie and like actually like caring about the people. <laughs> yeah, they're I mean, because they're just like they're this group of young people that could be just like you or I or friends yeah. or, you know, I there are moments in this movie that I was like, wow, I have felt those moments, the walking down the street with my sibling and I'm smoking a cigarette and my sister is smoking a cigarette and are yeah. we're not supposed to be. Sure. But I mean, like, David, you this was your favorite. It's one of your favorite scenes, right? That is an incredibly key, key important scene. Okay. And, and, and I want to throw out first, there is not a wasted frame in no. this entire movie. Even, and, and you think of you think that there's a lot of stuff where people aren't doing something, they're doing something. Mm -hmm. So even these scenes of just people being together or walking, every single frame is calculated. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But yeah, so I, I'm sorry, dude, I don't want to jump in, but no, I'm, that, I'm, I would love go to for talk it. about that scene. And, yeah. and you know, so and the, basically, and the, the the main characters are are Jay and Kelly. Yes. Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis's real sister is named Kelly. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. There's a lot of these little like Easter eggs yeah. in this. And yeah. so they're yeah. yeah. So they're this is in between Jay's first and second date with you, and they're walking around, and you notice that the. The, the the neighborhood the sidewalk it's circular it's curved okay and there's this scene where you know you know kelly asked thanks jay for walking with her because you know she didn't want to smoke in front of her mom mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kelly does not smoke for the rest of the movie she doesn't for the rest of the movie and you think this terrible monster is going to attack them and it's going to be causing stress but she does so i think this my understanding is that there was a lot more sort of explained, a lot more violence in the first draft. I think this, I don't know this, but I think this thing is survivor from the first draft. Okay. And she tells, you know, she tells Jay, um, you know, I know mom knows I smoke, but it's different seeing it, knowing something and seeing it. And yeah. then when you get to the beach house, you know, Jay's friends all, you know, they see they see the. They don't see it, but they see it lift her hair. It right. They see evidence of it. From yeah. That moment on, it's they've seen it. It's a difference from believing her, and it's Greg, right? It's the the other guy. Yeah. The neighbor. Well, I don't, yeah, Aww. I don't know. The, the 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 neighbor. Oh yeah, that's um, uh, that's Greg, I think. Yeah, yeah. Greg. Greg. Well, he, and again. He, he doesn't see it. So he believes that something happened to her, but he doesn't have the same experience everyone else has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he doesn't know like they do. And then it ends. And, and I don't know if we want to talk about the ending, but 
Paul and Jay are walking the same path that Jay and Kelly walked. Mm -hmm. But it's different. And that's why the that's what the director um, was kind of going for from things I read about that, that he had said is that this was the was based on a dream that he had had a nightmare, a a continuing nightmare that he had and that Mm -hmm. he was like in a circular loop walking and that something was following him or chasing him. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to throw this out and again, it's sort of out of order. But. If we accept the sort of idea of cosmic horror, mm-hmm. is that there is no afterlife? Yeah, that we die. The universe is terrible and dark. Then the only thing, the, the thing that we can hope for the most, is that when we come to that part of our old age when we're about to die and mm-hmm. death is falling, like it's following them. You're no longer going to have passion. You're no longer going to have romance. You're no longer going to find your partner sexually attractive. The most that you can hope for to have a happy ending is that you spend that time with someone who understands what you went through. And Jay and Paul may not love each other. They don't have that passion for each other anymore, but they understood what each other went through. And And that's another thing about this film. And they're holding hands and they're walking like an old couple trying to outrace death. And that you've got somebody that can understand you at the end is the closest in this universe you're going to get a happy ending. That's so true. I wow. told you we were going yeah. deep. I, and that's, I mean, that's exactly what one of the theories about this film also is, I mean, is in that is that this is a film about survival mm-hmm. and how um a, an event happens and that no one believes you you're the only one and then you find people that have the same experiences as you or you create their experiences and you all survive together through that yeah, yeah. i mean greg unfortunately didn't make it because you know she just he wouldn't he wouldn't open his door yeah. but um <laughs> or enter his phone right is that what it was he wouldn't answer his phone but uh yeah um but sacrifices has to be made sometimes, unfortunately. And I think that's what happened with um, Greg is that he was a like um, he was he put him he offered himself up as a sacrifice. Don't you think? Yeah. Because giving her a barrier between like because it only follows each one until it, it follows the per the last transmission until it can until it ends that person. And then it goes to the last person and the last person, and the last person. So, this is a theory that some people have out there. Why did it take so long to get to great? And the theory is that you see him very briefly with With a girl. You're right. You're right. Different girls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and you would hope that, you know, I mean, I get that a lot of people die in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, Right. People that you knew started dying. (laughs) <laughs> but, but there's a theory that that's be like it suddenly so there's a spike in young people's death yeah and it leaves the quote open too did jay I, I mean well did jay have sex with the guys on the boat did paul have sex with the prostitutes yeah or did they back out they don't answer that question mm-hmm. so i got 
uh, and and I don't mean to bogart the show, but I got one other scene I want to talk about. Oh no, go for it. Absolutely seems like it's a waste of scene, but it's not. It's in the beginning when Jay's in the pool. All right. And the bug lands on her arm. And she slowly moves her arm and it drowns the bug. This is my theory on this. Jay is so more advanced than the bug. And the, the moves, she moves so slowly, the bug doesn't know what's happening. That is when it comes after her. Jay is the bug. And yeah. it's moving slowly like she moved the arm. And it, whatever it is, whatever cosmic horror it is, Mm -hmm. is Jay is to it like the bug was to Jay. All right. Interesting. I, I like told that you, theory. I this. Yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm with you. We we talked a little bit about this last weekend when we were in, riding home, but it's a the, gosh, I mean, that's that's I love that theory, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot and, personally as well. It, I haven't figured out where the squirrels come in because there's a couple scenes. <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. Maybe, but uh, yeah, I don't think there's a wasted uh, a single you know scene wasted here. Okay. So, I got another theory. Ready? All right, go for it. We see throughout the movie the justification of youth, adulthood, and middle age or and older age mixed Absolutely. together. And so we see things like when they find Hugh's pl- uh, place, you know, he's got the porno mags there, but the windows are all covered with Sunday comics. Yeah. Something okay. from the youth. You know, the windows, he's got beer bottles and soda pop cans. To warn of it's coming in mm-hmm. when the group is waiting for um, for um, Jay to come back from her date. First of all, that's a very sort of adult parenty thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're playing cards, a child game, but it's playing old maid. Yeah, uh, and you know, and they're they're sne- they're they're sneaking drinks in. That again, that's sort of a childish childish thing there. And I think throughout we see. Um, you know, the different ages in the I movie think that's theater. To create a sense of agelessness in general, though, because it leads you to believe that either these kids are kids, that they're teenagers, or that they're young adults, or they're on that preface of young adulthood into into being an adult. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, and that's where we're exploring like sexuality and exploring like um, a being, pre- playing pretend at being adult. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, like a compact seashell that gives you messages. Doesn't well, she's seem, reading the um the idiot by Dostoevsky. It, it it doesn't feel like an adult's reading device. It feels like a child's reading device. Yeah. Yeah, but she's reading an adult's book. Of well, and a very like um one of those books that when you're when you've been told to read not to read it because it'll ruin your teenage years. Because, yeah. I don't know if you've read the idiot. It's like it's very nihilistic. No, no, I haven't read it. And it's it honestly, it doesn't have anything to do with this movie, like in any way. Like if I've tried to like, I've re- read some footnotes of it because I was like, was there something that I missed? But no, it's I, I think it's there to let you know how uh, this person is smart or this person is curious. And like tonally that it's it's um because it is so nihilistic. Yeah, I, I seem to have a, a apparently all the films that I pick have these like kind of <laughs> tones of 
<laughs> nihilism and like unsafeness that you're not yeah. left in a cozy scenario afterwards. You're never left like the films I seem to be picking lately are the ones that are like, eh, this doesn't leave you with the warm fuzzies afterwards. Yeah. I mean, but that's horror in general. Sure, yeah, no, that's horror in general. But yeah, no, this is an amazing film. Um, it reminds me of that period of time from uh, like teen years to adult years where you don't quite know how to navigate your life, mm-hmm. where you're spending the night at other people's houses, you're out and about you're spending your own money because you've got your own job and there's this like like and and if you know there's there there is this 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 uh thing of if you're like working class of like what if i get an std i can't afford to go to the hospital right now to get that checked out right but you do it anyway because you're a responsible adult (laughs) And, and definitely i mean and there's also when they go and decide they're gonna trap the thing. Yeah. In the in the um, swimming pool. It's very scuba dewy. Yeah, yeah, but Yara talks about how, you know, her parents wouldn't let her cross into the twelfth twelfth mile. Yeah. Which which right. I've seen documentaries on twelfth mile. Cops don't go in there at night. You know that that's the that's the the danger line. Uh-huh. But yeah, there's this unknown that is to these suburban kids, which is Detroit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This dark, scary, yet slightly attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it feels like um, it's about being on your own, but being kind of like tethered to your youth at the same time, because mm-hmm. the main character, she's like trying to do, go out and date, <laughs> have a boyfriend and everything like that but really relies on her like younger sibling i assume younger sibling and her friends who do seem just like maybe they're a little bit younger but i don't well, know if that's an just awesome squad what's that i love her squad i mean yeah. they, are, they oh, yeah. are ride or die for for jay oh yeah, yeah. totally totally that's like, but that's what having, I mean, and that's, I don't think you get to have often have those relationships into adulthood. Yeah. I think that's another thing is it's, you know, you're there. I mean, like I said, this movie has a thousand metaphors, right? Like it could be sure. a metaphor for, you know, growing up metaphor for rape survival, a re- metaphor yeah. for, you know, it's, um it's got a lot. And I think that's what makes it so special. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of ways to, uh, interpret uh, interpret this movie even like not necessarily like this but it could be that or just like even mundane kind of things regarding sex of like you know how you feel afterwards you've been with someone who you don't want to be but you still carry that memory that you were with that terrible person i mean it could right. you know just it covers a bunch of different stuff but and and that sex is sold as this be all end all. But sure. after, and do, do you feel any different? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. sort of almost disappointment that people sometimes feel with it at the beginning. I think that's a good that's a good way of explaining that, David, because it there is those moments of like um not I don't and I hate to use the term walk of shame, but mm-hmm. like there's a lot of these moments that are the very 
early dawn moments in this film yeah. that lend you after you've, if you've had like a one night stand or yeah. you yeah. slept with somebody that you weren't super into or whatever and, and had those, there are physical moments that in this film that have the, that almost manifest that. Auras of regret is what I want to call yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because like immediately she's like calls the police after um, having sex with Hugh and cause he like strapped her to a chair and yeah. you know, it, it's terrifying and that's a very like rape scenario. Yeah. I guess we should probably like, I, I don't want to say the rape word too much. I guess that does kind of trigger things online. I don't want to do all that, but um, just, it's, it's, a, this is a, it's a tough one at times for depending upon your scenario or your, where your headspace is. Sure. But one thing I don't want to leave out um, before the, before we forget to talk about it is, the music by Disaster Piece in this. Oh my goodness! Wow, like John Carpenter's like <laughs> illegitimate child. I tell no, you, no, no, I, I mean, love Disaster this, Piece. The vibe that the music alone registers into this, and yes. how quiet this film is, but then there's these spikes of like quiet synth that kind of bring scenes together, but they're not. Then there's also like, like broken sound moments it's it's so strange and i think it also lends to the surreal and dreamy qualities of the film oh yeah yeah the music by disaster piece actually inspired music that i did for the show a number of years ago where i used to have music play all throughout the episode and like have it spike when like audio spiked and stuff like that but people oh. didn't like it, so I took it out. <laughs> <laughs> you are ahead of your time. Right. Well, uh, no, it was, it was, I, I also didn't know how to do it right. And it ended up sounding terrible and, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, It Follows is, I want to say it's an amazing film. I really enjoyed it. It's well earned. It's like Cannes accolades. It's yeah. Rotten Tomato accolades. It's yeah. got lots of criteria and reception or critical reception that's been really positive. I have not yeah. seen anybody go, well, this is dumb. You know, yeah. it's all online. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be positive everywhere. Certainly, certainly. Uh, it. Uh, and, and I want to throw out the cast was amazing. Yeah. 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 Everyone no, I really enjoyed the cast. I thought the cast was really cool. They felt like people who I knew when I was that age. It 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 felt kind of like, oh yeah, I I knew people like that when I was in my twenties, when I was in my late teens, whatever. And it felt very kind of like the cast was very kind of like warm and you cared about them. They weren't stupid assholes who are like, oh, give me the last beer, you bitch, kind of yeah. like teens that you hope die yeah 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 and i am not sure how you pronounce monica monroe who played uh -huh. jay yeah she is in one uh, in a movie that i think is the first half is extremely scary and it's a cyberpunk movie called tau okay where she is plays a thief that breaks into a house with an artificial intelligence oh and the first half is just absolutely scary uh and again just hits every mark just like she does on this one the second half is kind of uh once you know what mad scientist is and what's going on it's no longer scary it's sort of this 
where do we fit in the universe? But the first half is just really creepy. Wow. I haven't, I, I don't, Tau? Is that the one Tau, that has... Tau, like the, the uh, T-A-U, the uh, Greek letter. Oh, is that the one with like the weird woman from like um, that's the alien, but you're not sure if she's an alien? No, it's um, no. Uh, she plays a, a a thief who breaks into the scientist's house. I don't want to give too much away. Oh, I, I'll, I'll the, look for she, it. Yeah, the house. It's it's on Netflix, or at least it was when I saw it. And the ha- basically, she becomes a prisoner of this scientist in this house that um, can be booby trapped by an artificial intelligence. Oh, oh wow. wild. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, the budget for this film was $1.3 million and it earned $23.3 million in the box office. So it did really well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, Micah Monroe is not only an American actor, but she is also a professional kiteboarder. Oh. So. Oh, weird. That's random. <laughs> uh, hey, I mean, that's probably one way to get, get, get away from it when it follows. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was goofy. That was goofy. <laughs> was there a sequel made for this? I think there's talks. There have been talks. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought there was a sequel for it, but then I realized they just changed the gender of the person on the box, and it was uh, still It Follows. I thought it was like, oh, It Follows too, but instead of it being the big scary guy, it was a woman. And then I've also seen like the car... Uh, cover or that's the theatrical cover but like they had different box covers or something like that or i don't know anyway oh no 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 not box covers um streaming for like netflix or something like that anyhow but yeah no great i have one question i always thought was kind of weird and kind of dumb sure like when why would jay why would hugh tie her up and like be like, this is what's happening. Why not just tell her afterwards and then be like, deal with the consequence? Why tie her up? Because he didn't give himself any distance. And that, that's the thing about this thing is it was slow and moving. I mean, I'm sorry to bring it up so late in the game, but no, like, no. I've just, I was wondered why the why the fuck did he tie her up? So, I so, think he's a dummy. Well, and and so the, there is sort of an uh, uh, the real world answer to this. Uh-huh. Yeah is the director said that he wanted, he cared more about it being scary uh-huh. than logical and realistic. And he uh. said, if the rule of scary takes over, and I think that's what it did. But in world, I think he was afraid she'd run away and wanted to make sure she saw it. But the other thing possibly, and I'm just throwing this out, is yeah, he might have been a good guy put in a bad situation. No. He was a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Jerks like to have control. You think that was a that was like a metaphor of control? I think so. Okay. I mean, I, sure. I, I just thought it was just like for like the MacGuffin's sake, like what the point of tying her up? Because wouldn't he want her to maybe like flee and create distance. It has distance because it will only follow the next transmission. Yeah, no, it's, it's the info dump scene, but um, it's also kind of like, uh, makes me think of evil dead Two. The guy's just a dummy. 
The guy okay. thinks he's good. He thinks he's the hero, but he's not. And he's just a dummy. Because, I mean, if he's, he, but he's not so much of a dummy in the sense that the reason why he lines up the tin cans and stuff like that on the string oh, was sure. so that also to show us as an audience that it can't just pass through walls and things like that, that it actually yeah. has to go through a door and walk through a thing and like has to walk down the hallway. Like it, it doesn't just come through the door. Like, sure. Yeah. Like that. It's not like, except for that when it comes through people, we see that happen a few times. Yeah. And I think that there are a million people watch it. They're all going to have a million different versions. It's all completely legitimate. Absolutely. But I think that he had this big Batman villain speech <laughs> and he was going to be danged if she was going to run away until she heard uh, that speech. Yeah. I have to yeah. tell you how this works. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the essence, he also has to tell the audience, but right. But I think psychologically, that especially, and now you got me thinking it, because we know he was a jock, you know, he's popular from the picture, that he. He used to be in control. Yeah. And now it is taking control away from him. So he's lashing out any way to keep control. Maybe I'm getting too deep. Maybe I need to I need to come up to the shallow end. <laughs> I like that you that you dig deep dub on this one. Yeah. I yeah. And that makes me think, would those two have even met if they lived in the same town if he wasn't desperate to just like pass this on i don't think i think that he would not have noticed her honestly yeah. i think that that's kind of part of it too is that she's like i get to be going to date with a hot guy look yeah you know not saying that her friend you know paul isn't a cute cutie patootie but like you know mm-hmm. just saying yeah she's yeah. um she's like she's obviously not like the hottest girl at school or at college or whatever sure and um, maybe that was like her, this was like her opportunity to be with like one of the hot guys. You know, and, th- and that's sort of interesting. But, you know, Yara and Kelly are complaining about how she's too pretty. Right. Yeah. You know, so so it's from their point of view. So she's kind of stuck in the middle. You know, well, that's, that's called being a woman. That, that, that <laughs> way above them you're not cute enough are... for you. Cute. You're too cute. You can't enjoy your cuteness. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it follows. It's a that's a this one that, like I said, it's one of those films that kind of sticks with you. And like, I mean, I, the fact that it to me, even though it's like this movie, I saw in the theater when it came out in 2014, and I mean, it's has I, I will pop. I it pops up on my at least top 50 movies. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it wasn't like supernatural, even if it wasn't like this otherly thing, even if it was just like a creep who followed like one couple and whoever those people had sex with, he then tried to kill them. Yeah, that would be a terrifying movie. But the fact that it's some sort of. Other, it's some sort of unknown. Yeah. And then the idea that nobody believes you. Yeah. And nobody can see it but you. Yeah. And I mean, every I think ultimately most human beings have the fear that of the the I only I am the one who can see this problem, or sure. I'm the only one who can see the monster, or yeah, this is only happening to me, and nobody else knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what that preys upon. Yeah. 
I could go on and on. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. All right. But yeah, no, and I, I want to say uh, there's people of a certain age, a certain demographic that lived through the 80s and 90s and remember what the AIDS epidemic was, lost a lot of yeah. people, lost a lot of friends. And this is something that it reminds me of for sure yeah. is the AIDS epidemic. And how it's like, it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care uh, who you've been with. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor, black or white. It's a sexually transmitted disease that if you're not avoiding, then there's the possibility that you're going to get it. And you don't know until it's too late. It's what it was, at, you know, early on. And makes me think i mean it follows makes me think of that anyway yeah anyhow yeah no uh it follows it's uh, a lot of different things it can bring up a lot of different i mean it depends on who you are it's open enough it's it's about sex and fear and uh, you know when you combine sex and fear everyone has different things, whether it be isolation, whether it be rape, whether it be uh, STDs, whether it be, um, I don't know, uh, social, not just social diseases, but uh, social interactions and how sex with someone you know then alters social interactions. I, anyway, it's, it can, it's it's a lot of stuff. It's 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 about violence. It's about sex. It's about uh, being a woman in America. It's it's growing it's, old. What's that? Growing old. Old. Growing old. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it follows. It's 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 in a really uh, really amazing movie. Definitely, definitely worth a watch. If we yeah. haven't, if you haven't seen it. And we haven't spoiled it for you. Go watch it. Yeah, no, it's like, I, not even, like, the first, like, I'm not going to talk about it, but the first, like, five minutes of the movie involving the person leaving their house mm -hmm. is just. And, and, and that's, that's an uncut scene. As near also, as I can tell, that's like a one take scene. Let's all like give that woman applause for her running in motherfucking heels. No, running yeah. down the street in heels. Just saying. Yeah. If you, I don't know if either one of you have ever worn heels in your life. Yeah. It is yeah. not easy to run in them. No, it's not. But, so yeah, I would highly recommend this movie if anyone is listening who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Uh, I, I didn't watch it until just recently. I've been kind of like been like, oh, yeah, that's that STD movie. I'm fine. I, I, I can imagine. And it wasn't as terrible. I thought it was going to be a lot more gratuitous. I thought it was going to be a lot of like uh, teenagers or uh, uh, people in their 30s pretending to be teenagers with fake boobs. I, I thought it was going to be a lot more like that. And it wasn't. And it was so refreshing that it was like. I don't know, terrifying. And it was young people and it didn't make me feel like, uh, these people are yikes. But yeah, no, it's it made me feel like these people, yikes. 
But yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So yeah, I I I think it uh is is worthy of its acclaim. I agreed. Yeah. So do we know what we're talking about next week on season 18? Season 18. Let's see if I can punch up the notes real quick. I know the topic. I'm sorry. I need to turn in my movie list. (laughs) Oh, neither have I. Neither have I. Uh, Let's see. I have to go all the way down here. We are talking about. Stregoikvar. Stregoikvar. The City and Hungary. The City and Hungary from the Black Stone. Robert E. Howard's The Black Stone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what the movie is yet, but we'll figure that out by uh, by the end of Thursday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. Yep, yep. And then after that, we're talking about... Uh, Robert E. Ha- Robert E. Howard Stygia. Uh, that after that we're going to be talking about Swami Chandra Putra, and then we're going to be talking about the Chocho. So that's the next mm. next month coming up. Uh, all right. All right. Well, everyone, have yourselves a good one. We'll have uh, movies coming up soon, and yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for now. All right. Thank you again, everyone. Dave, Gretchen, thank you two so much. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. It's been a fun season. Yeah. All Glad right. I joined. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. All right. That was a good show. Yeah. So you want my movie list? Oh, yeah. Whenever it's ready. Them. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd be a good one. Them and Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Oh, yeah. All right. And... And this one may be decisive. Jennifer's Body. All right. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, oh, I. It was marketed. We won't go into it. It was marketed terribly, but no, it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Our library, our school library, has an occult section. Uh huh. <laughs> Are you gonna post the list to our group chat? Yeah, I'll write it. That in. way, I can like not pick the same movies. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. I'll see you all next. Thursday. Yeah. All right. Hey, See do y'all you guys want to just maybe settle on them just so that we know what to do for next Thursday? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah is, that's good. is that the big ant movie or? Yeah, the big ants attack LA. Okay. Oh, right. that's them. Okay. I, I just wanted to double check because I know that there's more than one them. Uh-oh. Yes. So like there's, there's more than one she, there's do. more than one it. <laughs> so this is the, the ant them? That's the yeah. one we're going to be talking about? Is, is there another them you'd rather watch? No, no, this is 